For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities of the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Well here we are at the end of another week of lockdown. Uh, with another stretching before us. Been interested to see that lockdown is beginning uh, to be lifted in other countries. Seems the first thing that many people want to do is to go uh, and grab a Big Mac, uh, lots of uh, long queues outside uh, McDonald's, uh, other burger chains are available. Uh, but for us, uh, during these times, uh, it remains a difficult time, although we pray that the curve is flattening. And perhaps we're turning a bit of a corner. Uh, and my thoughts are very much with you at this time. Uh, we're especially mindful at this time of those who are in hospital uh, alone, uh, unable to receive visitors. Uh, thinking about those who have loved ones in hospital as well, we would long to be with them and we recognise uh, that a special grace is needed there. Mindful also of those who are mourning uh, and just praying that they would be uh, comforted by God's love and presence at this time, especially when there is an absence of that normal uh, support uh, that people would bring as friends and family due to circumstances. And as I was looking at these verses in Ephesians, there was something that just kind of jumped out at me uh, to begin with. And it's the fact that Paul is writing and he's under a lockdown of his own. Uh, he's facing a time of trial, a time of struggle, uh, a time of difficulty. And it got me thinking, I wonder how he coped in such circumstances. The context that is alluded to here in this morning's passage is that we find Paul uh, under guard and awaiting trial by Emperor Nero. And you can read more about that story in Acts chapter 25. Paul cannot be with the church in person and so he has to find new ways of communicating with them. And one of the ways that he does that is by writing these letters, these epistles, which we find recorded in the New Testament. 
Perhaps you also have been looking at new ways of communicating with one another uh, during this time. Perhaps you've been picking up a pen. Uh, perhaps you've been writing notes or cards to one another. A reminder that at this time with the emergence of new technologies in Zoom, uh, there are certain practices uh, that endure. Now, certainly I've been trying to write pastoral epistles to you and not to the depths of Paul's writing by any means, shape or form, but just trying to uh, encourage you and to keep in contact with you uh, at this time. Uh, you'll be glad to be receiving them by email if you've seen my handwriting. Uh, that would be hard to decipher if I wrote you a handwritten uh, note. Uh, but it expresses uh, this desire that's in all of us uh, to stay connected to one another, uh, to stay in touch. And that's seen in Paul's writings as well. As you read through his letters, there's this warm affection uh, that he has for his readers. Uh, Paul has this deep pastoral care for them and this, this deep love for God. Uh, and he desires to be with the church family scattered across uh, these different congregations. And so he's finding new ways of communicating. Uh, but also this is a time of reflection for Paul. Uh, a time to stop, to look back, to take stock. Uh, and to reflect on the way that God has been at work in his life. And you see that again coming through these verses. Paul is reminded of the power of God at work in his life that has transformed and changed his life. Uh, and God's faithfulness. And pausing to remind ourselves of who God is, the power of God at work in our lives in the past and his faithfulness. is a really healthy thing to do in times of difficulty and trouble like we're facing. Reminds us that God, who was faithful yesterday, will remain faithful today and in the days to come. And it gives us a great confidence in our faith. And it allows us to say that this is my story. This is my song that I will praise my Saviour all the day long. Uh, because he has walked with me. He has been faithful to me. Fanny J. Crosby, that great hymn writer who penned the words uh, to that tune for blessed uh, assurance. Uh, she lost her eyesight very early on in life. But by the age of nine, she was able to write these words. Oh, what a happy soul am I. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world contented I shall be. And contented she was. Much of that contentment uh, was drawn from her own personal spiritual walk with Jesus. So here is Paul and he is remembering God's faithfulness. He is remembering God's power at work in his life from the moment he met Jesus on the Damascus road. And what a story of God's grace that had been. Indeed he writes, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. And indeed he had written. He had written about his conversion on that Damascus road. He had written about the way that he had encountered the Lord Jesus Christ and the incredible hope that that 
had given him. Here is Paul. Because he has met Jesus, he knows that the stories of Jesus are true. He knows that Jesus is alive and he knows the power of God's spirit at work in his life. Paul's testimony had gone viral throughout the early church. He was a man who had previously been hunting down members of the church. Those in the early church thought of those who had already passed like their dearly beloved brother in the Lord, Stephen. Someone who had died at the hands of Paul. And yet here was this man now, worshipping with them. Standing amongst them. Someone that they gathered to hear preach. And who shared with them his missionary endeavours to make the Lord Jesus Christ known. What an incredible testimony and we thank the Lord for people like Paul but but I want you to note this Paul was not without his own struggles although he was a man of God although he knew God intimately he was not without his struggles in fact in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 Paul notes a feeling of social isolation amongst his time in prison. It was something that he was struggling with, of being alone. And I think this morning again of another group of people, those who are living alone at this time, who cannot share the monotony of this lockdown period uh, with friends and family. You maybe don't know that companionship and that emotional and spiritual support at this time. And we're thinking about you and, and praying for you. And in verse 16 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul notes that during a spell of imprisonment that he has not had any visitors nor received support from others. He says this, no one came to my support but everyone deserted me. Paul wrote those words. He was aware that he was in a position where it was difficult for his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to come to him. They were living under their own pressures and contending with their own difficulties. But he missed them. He missed that pastoral support and he yearned that just one person would have come to see him. And yet they had not. Perhaps that's how you feel today. Perhaps you feel alone. Without support. I pray that's not the case. But the reality is that for all of us, circumstances have changed. There might have been places that we used to go. People we used to meet up with uh, for spiritual support. And encouragement and now in these days we are feeling more isolated than before all of us are knowing to some shape or form a degree of separation from others and that's difficult that brings added pressures showing great grace Paul says this of his brothers and sisters in Christ May it not be held against them. 
while for Paul pastoral support from those in the church was not forthcoming. Paul has gained support from elsewhere. And he goes on to write this, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. There's a great spiritual lesson for us all in this. You see, it's right that we seek to be the body of Christ to one another. It's right that we seek to reach out uh, and support one another. Thank you for all who have been doing that. Community and friendship uh, and church family uh, is a gift from God and we should treasure that and cherish it. But ultimately, our support and our help must not be found in others, but in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This was a lesson that I began to learn about 20 years ago when the, the Lord took me away from Glasgow, away from strong friendship circles. Uh, and I moved abroad to live and to work overseas. I am profoundly thankful for those that I met uh, during my time uh, abroad, those who were uh, good, strong friends to me. But it was a time that I also learned to lean uh, upon the Lord. Uh, where I lived in the city was about uh, an hour away uh, from others that were ministering there. Uh, and once I moved up to southern Sudan, I found myself working in an even more isolated location, uh, often travelling uh, and living uh, and working alone. And those were times where I really learned what it means to truly lean on God and to trust in God. I think when also you're living in a, a different culture uh, and within a different language, there is another uh, degree of separation also that comes. Uh, and many of you know what it's like also just to, to live alone. But it was a time that, that taught me a lot. It's a time that I wouldn't change for the world. Uh, it made me appreciate good friendships. It made me appreciate the support of others. But I also learned that deeper spiritual lesson. Uh, that when we look to the Lord, there is a great spiritual support that comes from that. And can I say also a very deep spiritual companionship. And that's one of the things that I really value about my faith, that we can know the Lord, that we can have a relationship with him, that we can know his presence with us. And that's a lesson that has never left me. Uh, just the importance uh, and the blessing of leaning upon the Lord. Yes, I am truly thankful, truly thankful for those that God places uh, in my life. But there can be a spiritual poverty in our lives where our lives are surrounded by other people to such an extent that actually we never learn what it means to lean upon the Lord. And he is that foundation that we need to build our lives upon. And we need to discover what it means to have the Lord by our side and for him to be our strength. And when we do that, we discover this companion, this helper, this strength and comfort that comes from the Lord. We discover that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. He never lets us down. He never disappoints us. 
Human relationships are fallible. We bless the Lord for people he brings into our lives. But there is only one truly abiding presence with us. And that is the Lord. And Paul understood that. He knew that human support ebbs and flows. It's right and honourable that we seek to be the best we can for one another. We seek to look out for one another. But there will be always times, either through human error or circumstances, when we can't be with one another or where that support doesn't come. And like Paul, in those times, we need to learn to, to show grace. But we also have that opportunity uh, to learn what it means uh, to lean upon God. And so here is Paul. And he has discovered that lesson. He has discovered that when all is stripped away, that the Lord remains and that he is enough. I'm praying for you today. I'm praying that you would know the reality of that. And just as I'm speaking, I'm thinking about those who are in hospital at this time. And maybe you want to just picture them in your minds. I'm just prompted just to pause for a moment and to pray for them. And just to ask, Lord, for those in hospital this morning, for those who are alone. Lord, may they know something of you by their sight and that you are their strength. Amen. Well, we thank the Lord for, for Paul. And Paul knew also that God is at work in all circumstances. Here is someone in a human sense who is a prisoner of Emperor Nero, and yet he calls himself a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul knew that his circumstances were ultimately an outworking of God's plans and purposes. And when we become a Christian, we learn to relinquish control. We learn to hand over our lives to Jesus. And as we do so, we know that we can trust the Lord. Uh, we know that he loves us. We know that he watches over us. And we know that he longs to work through us. And we also recognise that the Lord is the one who numbers our days. He's in control of everything that happens in our lives. That's a point I want to underline at this time with the coronavirus. That ultimately it is the Lord who chooses when we are called home. And God is in control of everything that is happening in these days, including the virus. And he decides when our time comes to be with him and as Christians as we recognize God at work in our lives we have to recognize that the Lord knows best and the incredible thing about Paul was that he had such a faith that even when faced with suffering and death as he is here he could say, Lord, you know best. Lord, I trust you. Even if, even if my circumstances don't turn around. I wonder if you've learned to say that in your life. 
like Paul, even if, even if I'm not released from prison and I'm sentenced to death, still I will praise you. Because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Even if, even if that person I am praying for, even if they are not healed, still I will praise you. Even if, even if I'm not cured of this cancer, still I will praise you. I don't minimise in any way, shape or form the pain and the wrestling and the struggle and the tension that is involved in a prayer like that. And of us know how we will react in those sorts of circumstances. We pray that when the time comes that we will be given a grace to exemplify faith. But our trust in God is weakened if our faith in him is just conditional on him turning around our circumstances. Our trust in God is weakened if our faith in him is conditional on him turning around our circumstances. You see, if that is our view of God, then we'll be disappointed when suffering comes and it is not lifted, when illness comes and we are not healed. But mature faith says, even if, even if my circumstances don't change, still I will trust you. Because I believe in you. And my hope in you is not just rooted in a promise for this life. But ultimately it is rooted in an eternal promise. And I submit to you. Knowing that eventually the blessings will come. If not today. In eternity. That is a powerful, powerful lesson to learn. Well, here is Paul. Here is Paul and he knows Jesus and he knows that he has been called into this pioneering ministry. He writes in verse 7 to 9, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Paul says that God has chosen him. Chosen him for two reasons. Chosen him in grace to preach the boundless riches of Christ and secondly, chosen him in grace to make plain to everyone a mystery that has previously been hidden. I love that phrase, the boundless riches of Christ. Here is Paul and he is a pioneer missionary to a largely unreached group of people. The gospel the good news of Jesus has initially spread to the Jewish people. They were a natural group to receive the gospel. Although they had denied Jesus the first time, 
although they had failed to recognise his identity. After his death, resurrection and ascension, the gospel begins to go forth. And here are a group of people who have the Old Testament, who have been waiting for the Messiah. And all they need now is a work of the Spirit to come and to open their eyes to the reality of who Jesus is, that he was the Messiah. And following Pentecost, that work of the Spirit begins to happen and the gospel takes root and these Jewish communities begin to come to the Lord and churches are established. But there's still a whole world out there who knew nothing of Jesus, people across the Roman Empire and beyond, people who worshipped other gods like Zeus and Poseidon and Apollo and Aphrodite, people who knew nothing of the Old Testament and the promise of a Messiah, let alone Jesus. And yet the gospel message was for them also. How would they hear? Who would begin a church planting movement among them? Well, first among many who were chosen was Paul. And he's given this uh, task, this great commission to make known the boundless riches of Christ amongst the Gentiles. What a beautiful phrase. It captures for us something of the blessings beyond measure. Those of us who have come to know Jesus have discovered in him. We live in a world where there are many who still know nothing of Jesus. While secularism is on the rise, still there are many who worship other gods like Brahma and Shiva and Buddha and Allah. This world community that we are part of holds to different beliefs. Beliefs like Islam and Buddhism, Hinduism, Sikhism and an array of traditional religions. How will they hear? Who will plant churches among them? Amazing thing about this gospel message is that it is an invitation for all people to come to Jesus. It's a message that requires messengers, those of us who have discovered a great hope in Jesus that we would take it to people of different cultures and faiths and languages. And here is Paul, and Paul is preaching. That word preach means to announce, to make known a good news message. Who wouldn't want to be involved in preaching if that's what it's about? And Paul is also uh, involved in making known making plain to everyone uh, this mystery which was hidden but is now revealed. In fact, mystery is a, a key word that runs through these verses. Have a scan back through and you'll see that it appears several times. And what is this mystery? Well, Paul tells us in verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Now, the word for make plain can also be translated enlighten. 
And here is Paul who knows only too well from his own life that Jesus is for all, not just for the Jews. He himself is a sinner uh, that is saved by grace. He knows that grace at work in his own life. And his desire is that everyone would discover that. They would discover that Jesus is for all. It doesn't matter your race or background uh, or what faith you're part of. Anyone can come to Jesus. And so he is involved in this ministry of making this good news of Jesus known. I read an interesting article in The Spectator over the last few days and it was looking at the effects of the coronavirus and it was pondering the question is this going to lead to the ruin of the Christian faith or the resurgence of the Christian faith and it puts forward different arguments but it says this let me uh, read some words for you something is stirring in the souls of millions presently under lockdown the number of people searching for the word prayer on Google skyrocketed last month, doubling with every 80,000 new registered cases of coronavirus, according to a study done by the University of Copenhagen. A Pew poll found that 55% of Americans have prayed for an end to the pandemic. And no, it's not only the Bible Belt. Researchers found that 15% of those who seldom or never pray and 24% of those who do not belong to any religion or faith have prayed about the virus. It goes on to say, history teaches us that it's foolish to write off religion. And the everlasting man G.K. Chesterton noted how shocking it was that the age of enlightenment was followed by an explosion of religiosity in the form of the Oxford movement and the French Catholic revival. It was, he said, as confounding to most people as a river turning backwards from the sea and trying to climb back up into the mountains. Christian history, Chesterton argued, is not linear but cyclical. The church seems all but exhausted, then bursts to life again. For decades now, observers have declared that Christianity is dying. Rampant secularisation, coupled with coronavirus, will only seem to bring forward the funeral rites. But Christianity began amid defeat and despair. And if Chesterton is right, this will not be the end but rather a new beginning. I know that many of us have been praying, praying that amidst the difficulty and the turmoil and the sorrow that we are enduring, that good would come of this, that this would be a time of spiritual reawakening in our world. That as Christians, as we grapple with what is the foundation that we are building our lives upon, that during this time of difficulty, so others would be asking the same questions themselves. And as they do that, that they would be discovering that 
perhaps the foundations that they are building their lives upon are showing themselves to be wearing and that perhaps they need to find a new foundation in life one that is built on Jesus that is our prayer isn't it and we know that the church is to be this powerful witness to the world a powerful witness to the world of Jesus Christ and know what it says in verse 10 and 11 surprising words it says this his intent was that now through the church the manifold witness of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord these are surprising words not only does Paul say are we to be a powerful witness to the world but the church in all its diversity and yet its unity is also to be a witness to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms what an incredible thought you as a church are not only to be a witness to the world though you are but you are also to be a witness to the great host of angels who are watching on the idea here is that there are two groups of angelic beings watching what is going on in our world those who belong to the Lord uh, and those who have rebelled against him and fallen from his presence and as they watch on they see this spiritual battle unfolding in our world of which they are part and they see the fragmented broken nature of our world and they see humanity often tearing itself apart in division and destruction but then they see the church and they see the unity that exists within it amidst diversity and all these people are drawn to Jesus people from every tongue and tribe and nation and culture and language and faith background and Paul says that they will marvel marvel at the manifold wisdom of God that word manifold means many coloured it was used to describe items like those beautiful rugs that you get in the Middle East with all the colours kind of interwoven together Paul reminds us that the church is to be this beautiful tapestry of people whose lives are woven together in Christ. People from every tongue and tribe and nation who have come to Jesus. And as these spiritual beings watch on it will bear witness to them as to who God is. You can imagine these fallen angelic beings trembling and thinking we never thought it was going to be this way we never thought that Jesus would win through we thought we were on the winning side and then on the other side there are those angels those in heaven who are on the Lord's side and they are looking on and they are just marveling at the salvation that the Lord has won and they are worshipping and they are saying worthy are you Lord tremendous picture for us a picture that we see echoed in the book of of Revelation 
an incredibly powerful thought for us. And there are times that we recognise that the church has been a poor witness. Uh, for that we need to confess. We need to seek forgiveness. But our prayer at this time is that the church would be a powerful witness around the world. And at this time when we are scattered from our buildings, uh, that people would see beyond our services and our liturgies and our religious activities as a church. And they would see in the body of Christ worldwide just this deep, profound, personal faith that impacts the lives of billions, people from every tongue and tribe and nation. And they would see us as Christians grappling with the same issues around this coronavirus. But they would see in our lives this deep anchor for our soul that is found in Jesus, that eternal hope that we have in him that helps us to have a firm foundation in the here and the now. That is our prayer. So as we end, we've seen Paul this morning. His desire is that as people look at his life, that they might see Jesus. And his prayer was that as people look at the sufferings that he is going through, that they wouldn't be discouraged and conclude that God is not with him. Far from it. On the contrary, they would look at Paul and they would see his sufferings and they would conclude, look how Jesus is by his side. He says this as we end, in him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. I'm going to end this morning by listening to a hymn in Christ alone. For Paul, his life was all about Jesus. He knew what it was to come boldly into God's presence with a freedom and a confidence. We're going to think more about that next week. And his desire was that through his life, both the ups and the downs, the times of rejoicing and the times of struggle, that Jesus would be seen and that as he looked back on his life that he would be able to testify to the power of God at work in his life. Paul knew Jesus and we have this opportunity to know Christ as well and to build our lives upon him. He is our firm foundation no matter what comes. 